With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everyone? It's the Love, the Jam, the podcast coming to you as always with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I am doing pretty well. How are you doing? I am doing well. The Clippers have been doing well. The Lakers just lost to the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix, 118 to 109. Not a Clippers score, but a score that I'm enjoying nonetheless. Yes. yes. And uh, the Clippers had a very impressive win in Sacramento for, by a pretty similar score, actually. 116 to 109 yesterday at the time that we're recording this pod. Just a really good performance pretty much all around, except really by the Clippers' stars, the, the star, star scorers. I'm actually looking at the box score. I can't believe Danilo Gallinari was only 5 for 12. I felt like he missed a ton of shots. But he and Lou Williams struggled with their shots. They still contributed in ways. Um, but the rest of the team, the starters in particular, were all quite good. Pat Beverly with his usual play, 12, 7, and 3, 7 boards. Um, Shea Gildas Alexander was fantastic with 15 and five boards and one assist. Good defense, three for three from the from the three point line. Landry Shamit had his best game as a Clipper with 20 points, five of 10 from three. Of course, we got our usual contributions from Harrell. Uh, uh, Zubat was fantastic, 10 and 10 in limited time, two blocks, just really good stuff. Um, from the three young guys that we were kind of worried about, I think we can kind of start there. Mm-hmm. The, the starters and the the rookies slash Zubat. Um, what do you think about their mix now? I know we were kind of we were kind of hesitant, wanted maybe thinking about Montrez Harrell or some injection of infusion of offense in there. But I mean, they look pretty good. In fact, in that Utah game, the starters were the best part of the game. They put the Clippers up at I want to say seventeen points in Utah. Yeah. Yep. In a game where they were coming off not that much rest, their fourth game in six nights. Utah was three game, three days off, probably a little rusty, might have contributed to it a bit. But the starters have been looking a lot better. Are you still in the same position where we're thinking about tinkering this a bit, or do we want to kind of write out the starters a bit, considering Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell have such synergy and the bench still looks pretty formidable? Uh, what do you think about the starters, Rob? I would still be open to starting Montrezl Harrell on some nights, But I think it's pretty obvious at this point that that's not going to happen. (laughs) Um, You know, there's 18 games left. The time for real experimentation is is getting close to over. You know, coaches still tinker. But really, teams that are more secure in their playoff spots can do more experimentation. Like, the Bucks and Warriors can afford to experiment with different lineups. They've secured their playoff spots. They don't really care about seeding that much because they're so good. The Clippers need every single win, even with the Lakers falling apart and the rest of the teams kind of in that West playoff mix not doing super hot right now either. I think the Kings have lost three or four games in a row uh, after they lost the Clippers. So the Clippers need to stick with what's worked. And so far this season, that's been using their starters, whatever those starters have been. And then with Lou and Trez being the key guys off the bench, I don't see that changing. I personally would still like to see Trez start over Zubat on some games when the other team is going small or just has a center that seems like a bad match for Zubak. But um, I don't think it's going to happen. I think these are going to be the starters the rest of the year, barring injury. Though, actually, we can talk about really quickly, before we return to the young guys, uh, that Lukumba Mute is now questionable for the game tomorrow. All right. He's not going to be starting, but do you think he ever works his way back into the starting lineup? And who would no. he start over? I don't. I can't say that Luke is even going to play. Even he's questionable. He's going to have what? I mean, if he let's say he comes back tomorrow, we have 18 games left, and maybe he would start over maybe Beverly. But Beverly has been so indispensable. I, I don't want to see not, that either. He's not starting over Beverly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it would be Shamit. I don't know. I really don't know because we need Shea's playmaking is 
important to the first to the starters um you know general mix i think doc likes shamit and likes him as a starter has has kind of gone on record saying that he's thinking about just starting him going forward uh zubat i mean obviously not there um gallo's a surefire starter I mean, maybe he would over Shamit. I, what, what do you think? Do you think that he has the potential of starting in? I don't think he should. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't I think mean. he should. I don't think he will. I think the Clippers are going to bring him along very slowly. He's going to get spot minutes here or there. I think they're going to try to work him back in. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to start. I don't think he should start. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, the only guy I'd really take out of the starting lineup on certain nights is Zubat. And I wouldn't take out Shea or Beverly. Definitely not Gallo. Probably not Shamit. So, yeah. But the, the young guys, going back to that, the young guys played really well. I actually thought Zubok was really Zubox was really impressive in his 18 minutes. He had a double-double. I thought he moved very well on defense. We were actually discussing this. But I thought there was a real case that Doc could have put him in over Trez, who struggled a lot of the game um, with – the size and the athleticism of the Kings, especially Harry Giles, uh, and to a lesser extent, Lloyd Cauley-Stein. But Doc rode Trez and Lou down the stretch, and they and they and Gallo, and all three of them came through with big buckets. But Zubats was really good. Shea hitting threes was super nice to see after he'd been ice cold for a couple weeks. I thought in general his defense was good. He looked much more confident playmaking. And Shamit, you know, I think there are still nights where Doc plays him too much when his shot is off. Um, you know, there are definitely times where it seems like he's cold and then he heats up. Like he was cold in the first half. He was one for five and then he made a bunch of threes, but there are going to be games where doc rides him when he's cold and it'll cost the Clippers, but that's, you know, that's the cost of playing shooters is when they're cold, they don't necessarily contribute as much, but all three of them played really well. It was especially great to see that Shamit and Shea played the most minutes on the team, 33 and 32. That was excellent. Uh, it was the correct move by Doc. I'm happy he did it. And, and yeah, it was a great win. Yeah, uh, we'll probably talk about the Jazz game a little bit more in a minute. But a, a nice thing I think I noticed in that Jazz game was that I think Doc played Shea over Shamit down the stretch, even though Shea had five fouls. And Shamit didn't crack 30 minutes in that game, making me think that maybe Doc will be more comfortable riding the hot rookie down the stretch, unless they're both hot, then he'll ride both of them. And there was another game a few games back where Shaman also got benched for Shea. Uh, it maybe was a close, like a third, a second quarter or something. But I, I feel like more recently I've seen Doc maybe play with the idea of playing Shea over Shamit to close games. We'll see. But he's definitely had it has a long leash for Shamit already. Uh, that game was fun in general. I mean, the Stars played well. I think Zubat played well. Um, yeah. Something else that's been coming about that you've also kind of touched on in the Clips Nation article, Jermichael Green, mm-hmm. um, who looks just indispensable to the second unit right now. Him and Montrez Harrell are kind of developing this nice little chemistry to each other where they're both, they both, you know, it's nice to have Trez down low and Green have the ability to spot up from three. He's shooting really well from three. And granted, he might not keep up the pace he has, he's in right now, which you mentioned also. But hopefully he can keep up something like that and if he can be a respectable three-point shooter you almost kind of want to see the Clippers run more horns activity between Green and Trez seeing one pop out and one drive in and see how that works out and how that messes the teams with the second unit Luke can definitely run a play like that Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I haven't seen it too much what do you think about Jermichael Green his role as a bench player and maybe his role going forward as a Clipper do you think the Clippers should try hard to keep him along with Lou and Trez, considering the synergy they've kind of had so far. Obviously, small sample size theater. But what do you think about Green so far? I mean, I like him a lot. I liked the acquisition when it was made. I thought he was, it was a very nice piece coming back. But, I mean, to some extent, I think he's basically just doing the Mike Scott role from earlier this season. He's taking a lot of threes. He's spacing the floor. He's a much better rebounder than Scott is the biggest difference between the two. He's been very, very good on the glass. He's a bigger body than Scott is. Has a little less in the way of passing. Like Mike Scott would flash some playmaking instincts and was a little bit quicker and more switchable out on the perimeter. But Green is more of a bigger body, which is good because Montrezl Harrell is undersized for center. So he needs another guy who can rebound and, and do a little rim protection and Jermichael Green is more like that than Scott. So I liked Mike Scott a lot. 
good player, good fit. But I think Green is actually a better one because of his size and his rebounding. But I think it's basically the same role. They're doing most of the same stuff. They're running a lot of the same actions. And he's getting a lot of those open threes that Mike Scott was getting. So he's been impressive. The three-point shooting is going to cool down sooner or later, probably sooner. But Mm -hmm. they need to ride it while it's hot. And he's getting open looks. So as long as he keeps converting at a decent rate, he's going to be giving the Clippers pretty positive value. Him, Lou, and Trez is just a really good combination. Yeah, definitely. And I think between Ty Wallace, Lou, and Temple, we have a we have enough playmakers that I think rebounding is probably the more important space for Jim Michael Green to occupy with that unit. So I, I really like his fit. If he can be brought back cheap, he'd be an interesting piece to bring back. Obviously, it's hard to talk about bringing back Green when we're, we're definitely searching for some big fish over the summer, but he's kind of an interesting piece, maybe, maybe possibly even going forward if he's affordable enough. He had eight and 11 this last game, 11 boards, huge boards, including one uh, post-up dunk he had, uh, which was just spectacular. So he's looking like a really nice piece. Uh, Mike Scott, by the way, had 22 points, I think, tonight uh, in that Golden State loss, but carried them a bit in that second half. Nice to see the guys doing well even though Toby wasn't particularly good today. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I can't have it all. Uh, yeah, I can't have it all. Um, still, like, I'm kind of glad Golden State won and the Nuggets lost. If the Clippers can really hold on to seventh, I would hate to ha- see them get the seventh seed just to play the Warriors. So um, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that the Warriors that the Warriors are getting a strong hold on one. We'll see. The Spurs won today, too, mm-hmm. against the George-less Thunder. So... Some interesting stuff today. The Nuggets lost to the Jazz, who I never thought we would catch in the first place. But yeah, no, that yeah. was never going to happen. I mean, they were close enough in the, in the standings that it was worth keeping an eye on them. But they're better than the the Clippers, and they have a much easier schedule down the stretch. They were the right. Clippers were never going to catch them. Really, the only teams to be worried about are the Spurs, Kings, Lakers, and to a lesser extent, the Wolves, and then. I guess once the, once the playoffs become more of a certainty, you can start looking at who they might play, and then stuff like the Warriors and Nuggets records comes into into play. But right now, I wouldn't even think about that. It's really for me. It's like the Spurs, Kings, Lakers are really three teams that I'm looking at. Right. Um, so. Anything else you want to talk about this game? Lou Williams was particularly cold all game. Yeah. 0 for five from three, five for nine from the line, mm-hmm. but. I I was worried about him. I know we were both worried when we were texting, but he closed the team pretty well. He hit some huge shots down the stretch. Without him, we probably lose. I I feel like I'm not as worried about Lou as I am about Gallo. I I'm worried about yeah. I'm I I feel like Gallo's body is is breaking down a bit. That charge was fantastic and and saved the game to an extent. And he had a nice stat line: nineteen and nine, three assists, uh, one turnover shot relatively okay um but he's just not moving out there he doesn't look the same so what do you think about Gallinari the idea of maybe him losing some minutes to green in general like what are we thinking right now for the Clippers to keep Gallo fresh at least so he's not just a walking injury out there I think if you're trying to keep him fresh I think keeping his minutes down is good I think if you're really trying to win you probably have to ride him just because of his ability to create his own shot. So I, I was tempted to, like, if I was the coach, if I was Doc, I would have been tempted to bench Gallo for green at the end of the Kings game. It turned out to be the right call to stick with Gallo. He made huge plays down the stretch. I mean, was it? <laughs> he had a charge. But aside, was, aside from that, I I felt like he was a focal point to the Kings' little run at, at the end there. Yeah, it was a really just shots. charge, but right. the charge is important. <laughs> um, right. And it, it was a play I don't think Green would have made. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Um, but he does not look right to me. He looks slow. His quickness is clearly gone from the beginning of the year. And... I think his defense has kind of suffered for it, charge, late game charge aside. So, and his shot, his and Lou's shots are both nowhere to be found right now. For Lou, hopefully it's just a cold streak. It could also be minutes and just the load of of carrying the team as well. But they need those two guys to start hitting threes because 
you know, without them hitting outside shots, they just don't have much firepower. And Ralph, on, yeah, go ahead. On a scale of one to 10 for Gala, I'm worried at like a seven for Lou. I'm probably at like a four, I'd say. <laughs> and Ralph already mentioned that Gallo kind of hurt his hamstring a couple of games ago, right before that Mavericks game. So a little bit of a tweak. So both of those guys have hamstring injuries. Lou, I, I was not as worried about. He missed some chippies and, you know, he missed some shots and he's probably a little bit tired. We, we came off a pretty rough stretch of road games before that, that uh, really just coming back from the all-star great, uh, break. We've had some really rough patches of games and we're going to play another three and four nights coming up here. Now that we're playing the the Knicks tomorrow, the Lakers the day after and the Kings yesterday. And so it's going to be another three out of four stretch. Of course, we're playing the Lakers to end that stretch. Um, so it's kind of concerning in that way. But after that, I think the Clippers in general have a pretty easy schedule as far as not just games wise but having game time off in between having a day off a day off a day off or so so hopefully that'll help gallo and lou who both just look beat i I was worried about lou too but then he closed the game and i'm less worried about him as i am about gallo of course both of them are concerning especially with lingering hamstring injuries shay gillis alexander landry shamet were both great yesterday shay has had a couple of nice back uh, bounce back games after going like yeah. one for a billion yep. the games before. What do yep. you think about Shea? I thought Shea was particularly good yesterday. He really shows shows out a bit against the Kings. Uh, what do you think about Shea last night? Yeah, I mean, on one hand, it's great that you see that fire that he goes up against Fox, who's another young point guard, went to Kentucky the year before. On the other hand, like you know, you would like to see that same energy against other teams. <laughs> Right. Um, I mean, I think partially it's just a matchup thing. He's much bigger than Fox, and Fox, while good, is not like a particularly great defender yet. And the Kings in general just don't have very good perimeter defense. They also don't have great interior defense. I mean, their defense in general, it's not horrible, but it's not very good. So that's part of the reason why I think Shea thrives a bit. But, you know, it does seem clear he gets more up for those games. And I just wish he was that aggressive and that confident against every team. Uh, You know, hopefully that'll come. But, yeah, I mean, he's been best against the Kings. I mean, I think, like, four of his ten best games this season have been against the Kings, which is pretty remarkable. Um, The game before, he was good. He was making shots against the Jazz, but he was in foul trouble. Um, So he only played 19 minutes. It was a bit costly. Some of the fouls were really stupid. Um, which is, has been a running issue with him this season. So there are definitely still some warts. I think sometimes it's not necessarily the, the energy. It's just he just doesn't come out with as great a focus, maybe. Like against the Kings, he's always razor sharp. And I don't just don't know if he's like that. He seems like a very casual dude. Like I'm sure he's very competitive and he wants to <laughs> win. And he's obviously, like, very hardworking. Everybody says that about him. He's always listening and learning. But I think there are games when he doesn't necessarily have the fire that the Clippers might want from him. And against the Kings, he has, and it shows. So, on one hand, it's a great sign that he has that somewhere because some guys, like, you know, Andrew Wiggins, just don't have it at all. Um, and it's a great sign that when he's playing well, he can he's really good. Um, I thought his defense was also quite good against the Kings. But mm-hmm. – I wish we could see that just a little bit more frequently. I mean, he's a rookie point guard. He's young. He only played one season in college. So ups and downs are to be expected. I'd be shocked if he didn't have them. But, you know, the Clippers are also trying to make a playoff. So every bad game from their starting point guard is going to harm them. But in general, I think he's been great this season. He's been so fun to watch. Just see him develop and grow, get a little bit more confident in that three. Um, Yeah, he's, he's just so much fun. Anything else you want to talk about with that Kings game before we talk about the Jazz game maybe a little bit? Not particularly. I think it's kind of funny that the Kings would be in the playoffs if they just done better against the Clippers. <laughs> uh, the Clippers are 4-0 against the Kings. And I think against every other team, just in non-Kings-Clippers games, the Kings have been the better team than the Clippers like across the board. But the Clippers just play well against the Kings. Partially it's because of Shea. Yeah. A lot of it was because Tobias, Trez, when he was on the Trez team. Too. Yeah. 
yeah, punish the Kings. Trez, too, it's a good matchup for him. Though yesterday it was not quite as, as good. But, yeah, I mean, they, they came up huge yesterday. It was the biggest game of the season so far, and, and they stood out. Every guy played hard, played reasonably well. Ty Wallace only played three minutes. But everybody who got real minutes, I think Temple had some nice defensive plays. Um, most of the other guys you've mentioned, Pat Beverly was incredible, as always, with his rebounding and some playmaking. He hit most of his shots, just really good stuff from him. So it was a really well-balanced team win. Those are how they mostly win games. Lately, it's kind of been more on, on Blue and Trez, but when they were playing well earlier this season, it was through group efforts, and it was good to see that kind of win come back. Yeah, it was nice to see the starters in general play pretty well together. There was a really nice stretch in the third quarter, I believe, where uh, there was a a Shamit three, or maybe it was a Shamit three, and then like a, a Zubat breakaway, and that, that Sham, and then that Shamit four point play, and that was super cool. And that was pretty much when the Clippers got their lead and pretty much held on to it for most of the game. So you could see the flashes of the of the kids playing well. So that was really cool. Hopefully they can keep it going. Shamit is so hot and cold. And he's such a liability on defense. I don't want to feel like I'm already losing. I'm not losing faith in Shaman. I think he's an incredible prospect. But, man, he is a really, really bad defender. And he reminds me every game that he, one, one, he's just very frail. So it's easy to kind of post him up or just get into into the paint against him. And, two, he just makes a lot of mistakes. And that's probably just from being young. He's not, he's not, you know, not trying on defense, which is a good thing. And he has some tools there. You know, he has long arms. I'm sure he can use that to his advantage in the future. But he's just been pretty bad defender so far this uh, this short Clipper term. But it's probably something he can work on. Aside from that, he's a great shooter. He's got a great quick release. He even when he misses shots, I feel like they're going in. So I've enjoyed Landry Shamit a lot. I hope he has some more games like this one because we're putting him in great position to have good games. Doc has given him a lot of leeway. Yeah. More than I thought he would. So that was good. And really that jazz game, not really much to say aside from the fact that the Clippers would have probably won this game if Gallo or Lou were good at all. Yeah. And if they hit some threes, which also felt a lot on Gallo and Lou. Uh, Lou went one for three, and Gallo went zero for six. From that three. was brutal. So I don't really have much else to say. The starters also started off very well. Shea was very good. Um, made some had some bad fouls. Had some bad fouls against the Kings too. Actually, he had two fouls within like five seconds in the third quarter that kind of put him back into foul problems. But um, aside from Shea getting some early fouls, I thought. You know, I felt like the starters played well with Shamit, Zubat, and Beverly all playing pretty well. Trez had a nice game. Green went 0 for 4 from 3, but he was still pretty good. It, it was kind of a shame. I think the last three he missed was when they went with him at center. And I kind of would have really loved to see that lineup, but he missed a couple of shots and then Doc pulled him. So anything to say about that Jazz game? I felt like it was pretty straightforward. It was an opportunity the Clippers had, but neither of us expected them to win that game. Yeah, I mean, it was disappointing because they could have won that game. The Jazz really outplayed them for most of the game. I thought after the first six minutes or so, the Jazz completely outplayed them, but the Clippers hung around because the six minutes, the first six minutes were such an advantage. They were up 17. They were up, I think it was like 29-12. Yeah. And between that and just them doing just well enough to keep themselves in the game or ahead. They had a real chance to win that, but they just couldn't make threes. They could not get defensive rebounds at all. Yeah, It was just, it was brutal. Um, But I mean, again, neither of us expected them to win that game at all. So them losing really wasn't that big a deal in the macro sense in a vacuum. When you actually look at the game context, winning that game would have been huge. I mean, at this point, every win matters but if you give them that win they'd be looking like a pretty near lock for the playoffs I think at this point if they had that extra win over the Lakers and Kings but what the Lakers lost the Suns tonight I mean and the and the Clippers having a a tiebreaker over the Kings as long as they win against the bottom dwellers I think they have like five games left against really bad teams if they win those and then just win like you know four of their other 14 games they should be in the playoffs so we'll see if they can pull it off I'm still not writing off LeBron 
or the Lakers, even though they were so bad today and, and lost the Suns. I, I just can't write them off until it's over. But I think the Lakers are, are pretty close to being done. So if the Clippers can beat them on Monday, um, I think that, re- that really might do it because I think that also gives them the tiebreaker for the Lakers. So they need a win tomorrow, uh, you know, a very – what should be a really easy win against a truly shitty Knicks team. <laughs> and then the Monday game against the Lakers, you know, if they win that, it might be over for the Lakers. If the Lakers win, that could give them a little bit of momentum. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I um, want to say, I want to say we're one, one against the Lakers right now that we won one game and then we lost that Tobias three pointer tie tie overtime game. Yeah, I think, I think we're one one. So if we win the next game, I think there's one more game near the end of the season. Yeah, and- but I just saw this on Twitter. Um, it, the next tiebreakers division record, and if the Clippers beat the Lakers, they would be guaranteed to have a better division record. Than wow, wow, so. that would be huge. So that really is a big game. Really, if the if the Clippers can win the next two games, they're in. Probably unless they massively screw up. <laughs> I'm not saying that ever, but they yeah. have a very good probability of maybe making the playoffs if they can win these next two games. And this next game, they have to win that game. Oh yeah, they just have to win tomorrow. It, yeah. it really that would be a massive. <laughs> the Knicks are horrible. <laughs> they're horrible. This is an uh, an early game in LA. The Clippers notoriously start off slow in these games. So I'm nervous. I'm a little bit nervous about this Nick game. I hate these games against these garbage teams. The Clippers have played down to some of them uh, at times this season and have left some really close games, including an overtime game in Phoenix that Booker didn't play, I want to say. Was Booker even playing that game? I, I can't I, remember. I feel like he missed one of the games. I think that might have been it because I know Melton like went crazy and like tied the oh, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they really need to take care of business tomorrow, win that game going away, get some rest. They're going to be in L.A. The Lakers are traveling right now after losing in Phoenix. Granted, it's not a long travel. So win that game, get some rest. So hopefully it's not a huge disadvantage that we're playing third game and four nights on Monday against them. Because that's a pretty big game, especially for the Lakers. I feel like LeBron's going to bring it, and I still think the Quakers are going to win that game. Especially yeah, I, if they're losing I think so But we'll see. Um, so this was a, a this Utah game. I mean, the Jazz played well. Always a pain to see Joe Ingles. That Jazz crowd, by the way. Oh my it's gosh! Crazy. Yeah, they're Jeez. nuts. They're just I, no. Nobody ever wants to play the Jazz in the playoffs. It's just yeah. nobody wants to do it. They're they're gritty and they're tough, and their crowd is bananas. I mean, I don't think the Warriors are scared of them because the Warriors really aren't scared of anybody. But I think even the Warriors probably wouldn't want to play the jazz in the playoffs no no yeah. they're a good they're a good team um jay crowder didn't shoot very well but i think he's been a really good benchy for them in general it's a nice team it's too bad they lost uh xm again i keep wanting xm to be a good player but I, maybe it's not in the cards <laughs> i just i've never thought he's been particularly good he's shown some flashes on defense i think that's it i think yeah that's probably yeah, why I like it's him. defense because i mean he's long he's pretty quick but, I mean, this is his fifth season, right? And he's played a max. I think the most games he's ever played in the season is, like, 50. Oh, man. I mean, it's he's had rough, rough injury luck. Um, but, I mean, they really haven't needed him much this year. Even, even with Rubio having a really bad season, they've just been able to – wow, no. Exum actually played 82 games his rookie season hey. a while ago. Yeah. And then missed the entire season, then played 66. But then the last two seasons, this is why – he played 14 and 17, 18, and then only 39 so far this year. Yeesh. So three out of his five seasons, he basically he's played less than half the games. I don't know what his status is this season. Um, oh, he, he's going to be reevaluated next week. But anyway, right. enough about Dante Exum. The Jazz are good. <laughs> uh, they're the better than the Clippers. Yeah. Um, I guess before we, we talk more about like, – I don't know. It, we have questions, but – is there a playoff matchup you'd like to see? I mean, obviously the Clippers want to avoid the Warriors. I mean, that's just obvious. But outside of that, I think the three teams who could get the two seed are the Nuggets or one, theoretically. I think it's really just the two seed. Are the Nuggets, the Thunder, though the Thunder have lost four games in a row now, and the Blazers. The Blazers. Um, yeah, I mean, it has to be the Blazers. Give right? me the Blazers. We could beat the Blazers. 
I, uh, I don't know about beat. I think Lillard is probably too good, and they'd have home court. But that would be actually competitive. They could win. Oh, no, that's very unlikely. I didn't realize how far ahead the Nuggets were in the standings. They're four games ahead of the Thunder and Blazers. Okay, it's either it's the Nuggets or the Warriors, and they'd rather play the Nuggets. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> it's that simple. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they could they could have a competitive series against the Nuggets, maybe in six if we're lucky. The Nuggets are are good. So the Nuggets are good, and they're not a great matchup for the Clippers. But I, yeah, I think that the Clippers could certainly keep things close. They could definitely win like a game. I think you know two would not be pushing it too far. I think. You know, nice five or six game competitive series would be in the cards. The Warriors just it would be a beatdown. Though honestly, like you know, there's there'd probably be one game where they'd relax and the Clippers would either win or or have a shot at winning it. But yeah, I mean, the most they could hope for there is a five game series, a gentleman sweeper. They get destroyed in like three of the games. The Nuggets, I mean, yeah. I- we wouldn't have caught the Jazz regardless, but if we would have won that game, you know, maybe I would have thought a little bit about the succeed, not realistically, but it would have been kind of a puncher's chance. And if we could have, if we could have gotten the Blazers, I don't think we would beat Portland. But I think we could. I think it would be a really yeah, good there's series. There's like an actual possibility. There's definitely a possibility. Like and, a 10 to 15% chance. Whereas right, the Nuggets, right. it's like five or less. And the Warriors, it's absolutely zero. <laughs> I think I'd rather play the Nuggets than the Thunder. The Thunder have gone oh, yeah. on a losing streak, and they're not probably going to get the second seed. But I probably would rather play the Nuggets than the Thunder. I think the, I think the Thunder would smoke us. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, George is a matchup nightmare for the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, he's also nobody. just having, like, an MVP season. But, I mean, the Clippers, barring a miraculous Luke recovery, have absolutely zero players on the roster who can check him. Um and Wilson Chandler, I think he's probably a couple years past being able to do anything against Paul George. Right. Um, and same with Gallo. Like, a couple years ago, those guys might have had a chance, but um, not anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I think of any realistic, it would be Blazers, then Nuggets, then Thunder, then Warriors. Yeah. Um, so, the Rockets are only a game back of the Thunder and Blazers, um, so theoretically they could be in the mix too, but um, I, I don't think so. So, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we got into Twitter questions? Um, I mean, we, I guess we should probably talk a little bit about Doc's whole thing with Dirk because we didn't get a chance. Oh, to- that was cool. Yeah, yeah. that was, that was pretty cool. Say about it. it was cool. It makes the Clippers look good. Like, the Lakers have just been a complete shit show this season. <laughs> right. And then there's Doc, you know, shouting out Dirk and getting praise on Twitter and – People being like, that's one of the classiest things we've ever classy, seen. Classy, classy, classy. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And that was a that was kind of a fun game. Luca had a triple-double, almost had a quadruple-double with turnovers. Uh, and really, the Clippers just looked good. Uh, Trez and Lou just looked great. Trez had another career-high game. Yeah. Uh, it was nice to see Gallo play well. Gallo played well in that game. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that he's not hurt at all, but – they mentioned at the end of that game that he might be a little bit dinged up, but he looked good in that game, really spearheaded the, the, the Clippers a bit whenever they needed a shot. So Beverly, of course, was great, almost had a triple-double himself. So that was a nice game, really just felt like an, offense, like an offensive just show. The Mavericks aren't particularly good on defense, though I'm sure they've improved now that DeAndre Jordan's gone. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah um, I don't really have much else to say about that one. No, I don't, I don't either. That was a good win because Dallas is not particularly good. No. And the Clippers were playing at home for, you know, they'd only played two games at home in the past, like, 12 games maybe. They had the home game against Phoenix and then that one against Dallas. That was a game they had to win. Yeah. I think when pushes come to shove this season, they've won their must-win games. So hopefully tomorrow against New York goes the same. We can talk a little bit about – we've already talked about the next game. That's a must-win the Lakers game, you know, that would be massive. I think winning those two games would put the Clippers at, like, a mathematical probability of, like, 90 to 95% chance of making the playoffs. But I do not see them beating LeBron and the Lakers. You know, in L.A., obviously, the crowd is going to be, like, 95% Lakers fans. And they're going to be out for blood after this Suns game. So... I think that's probably loss. And then Friday, they have three days off, which is pretty crazy this late in the season. Yeah. But 
they have three days off before they play the Thunder. And all of this is in L.A., so they can actually practice. I don't know if they will because Doc might want to conserve the energy of the older guys, but they'll probably get at least one practice in there. I'm guessing on, like, Wednesday, um, maybe they do some light work on Thursday or something. But that could be really helpful to really get the new guys more integrated. Um, the Oklahoma City game is probably lost. I think it really depends if Paul George is playing. He's missed the past couple games, but that's almost a week from now. I'm guessing he'll be back by then. If he's out, I think that they should win that game because they don't look very good without him. Um, but, I mean, I'm tempted to say they go one and two this week, and I'm actually fine with it. Like, as long as they win that Knicks game, um, you know, I think I'm okay with – the other two being losses. I mean, the Lakers win would be huge, but I just can't see it happening. I'm still a skeptic. Yeah, I'm going to say two and one. They beat the Thunder, hopefully. Okay. Uh, but that's a that's a very 50-50 type of game. They lose to the Lakers. I can't imagine LeBron just won't go, you know, guns out for that game. He should just destroy the Clippers. And the Knicks game, they should definitely win. The Clippers are going to pretty much be home the rest of the season, yeah. aside from a four-game road trip in the East Coast uh, against mostly not great teams, uh, they're going to be going out East. I mean, and the Bucks going to be playing the, Bucks are the Wolves. Murder them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to play the Cavs, the Knicks, the Wolves, the Bucks. So that's a pretty decent road stretch if you want to go on the road. Aside from that, they're in California. They have one game in Golden State. They're and- literally at home for sixteen days. That's from insane. Now- from now, from tomorrow, which is March 3rd, they play only in Staples Center until March 19th. So some of those games are pretty tough. Like you have Boston, you have Portland. Indiana has been pretty good without Old Depot. Brooklyn has been struggling lately. Chicago has actually been good since they got Porter. Ugh. But, you know, if they beat New York and then they beat one of Boston or Portland or OKC and then beat Chicago – and Brooklyn that's four wins I mean that puts them at 39 that gets them pretty close and then they really just need to win five the rest of the season so when you just look at the games like they really just need to beat the bad teams that's what they need to do they need to beat the bad teams and then win like two or three other games and they're in Um, unless the Lakers go on an epic run which honestly it's LeBron they could go 17 and one down the stretch and I wouldn't even be that shocked (laughs) <laughs> yeah, me neither. They can also lose in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And their schedule is really tough, actually. Yeah, it is. A brutal schedule. But the Clippers, yeah, I mean, they're at home for a while. And then, so after this Friday game at, at OKC, they have another two days off before a home game in Boston where they're just going to be in L.A. So they should be able to get in some real practice time over the next week, which could also really help them. Um you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see them play at home. I hope they get really good home crowds for some of these games because they're a team that right now is looking like they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to need a, a solid home court for to win those games. I think, you know, against OKC, Boston, Portland, those are all pretty big games against other really good teams. So hopefully the Clippers have good crowds there and there aren't too many like Celtics or Blazers fans there or something. Oh, there's there's going to be Celtics fans, oh, definitely. So yeah, and that game. And I think the Clippers have, like, what, like the third best road record or something in the West? I think I saw that on Twitter recently. Their road record is pretty good. They have a winning road record. Um, yeah. They yeah, they're, they're pretty good on the road. So that's good. Hopefully they can get some of that home cooking. They started off really good at home, but then they lost quite a few games uh, after that. So hopefully they can bulk up their home record a bit with these wins, uh, with some wins coming up against these teams. You know, the Celtics haven't looked particularly good. The Thunder on our four game losing streak, the Blazers lost their last game. I mean, the Bulls, the Nets, these are all very winnable games. So yeah. let's get a, let's get a good stretch here. Hopefully we can put out the idea that the Clippers might not make the playoffs by the time they hit the road. That would be incredible. That might not be, what happens, but if they can get a nice little lead right here, especially now that Bagley is hurt and they can maybe get some space from the Kings too. So yeah, Uh, the Kings without Bagley, I don't know. Um, They've lost three games in a row. Now I can't write them out because they've been pretty good all season, but 
I'm still most worried. I, I was more worried about the Kings. Now I think I'm more worried about the Lakers, even though they're a game and a half back of the Kings, have two more losses. Yeah. You know, it's just I don't know. LeBron James. It's LeBron James. Like, some of my it's friends, LeBron James. I'm, like, worried about LeBron James. Like, he's the best player in the world. <laughs> of course I'm worried about his team making a run. I don't care how dysfunctional the Lakers are. It's still LeBron freaking James. I can't even say LeBron James misses the playoffs right now, like with, while not chuckling internally. He's so good. So we'll see. The Lakers really might not make the playoffs. It's crazy. But I can't count them out until it happens, until they're mathematically out. Yep. They have one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. And like I was young enough to watch Jordan when he was pretty damn good, even like a player like Hakeem. So, yeah. So I, I think that the the Lakers are still – still have a run in them. So we'll see what happens. That was a bad loss today, though, needless yeah. to say. That was a bad loss yesterday, too, actually. They were winning that Bucks game before LeBron just pretty much just didn't really assert his will. He probably could have. He was being guarded by Ersan Ilyasova and was just, like, passive down the stretch. So, eh, whatever. Bledsoe, yeah. though. Bledsoe showed off. That was nice. And he's, he's now richer than ever. And he's paid. Is Eric Bledsoe a paycheck player? I don't know. I mean, I think in Phoenix, Phoenix was just such a disaster of a situation. I think it's kind of hard to judge how he played there. I mean, Phoenix got most of his prime, really. I mean, he was right. there from, he was aged like what, like 24 to like 28 or 29. Um, and Phoenix has been, you know, just a garbage, garbage team for years. Mm-hmm. And even when they weren't bad, I mean, they were still mediocre, even in the years before then. So yeah, I mean, it's hard to say with him, but I think he likes it in Milwaukee. I think he's a good fit with Giannis and the team. So, yeah, I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's been playing so well this year. I think he's like a real threat to make an all-defense team. And he's yeah. been so good on that end. It's been great to see. Our other old Clipper friend, Eric Gordon, not so great. Um, no. No. Poor I, – I, I had a Twitter thing the other day, which I'm surprised didn't get more comments, but – um, I can never tell what's going to be big on Twitter, but I was just thinking Eric Gordon has had such a sad career. Like mm. we don't think about it much because like he's still gotten money and he's still, you know, solid. He's been, you know, a key player on pretty good I mean, Rockets. Teams. I think, I think the people that think about it the most are us, like the Clipper fans. Yeah. Just sad Clippers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was thinking like at this point in his career, he's basically just a three point shucker. And yeah. 10 years ago, he was like, what? He was 22 is averaging 23 points, a good amount of rebounds, assists a game, could do a little bit of everything, just like an all-around great player. And now, you know, he missed so many years with injury, just not being that good. And then he had one great comeback season. Now he's basically just a three-point chucker. So I thought, I thought Eric Gordon was going to be the best two-guard in the league with a decent amount of confidence a few years ago. I remember thinking Aaron Aflalo was like the second best two-guard in the league when, <laughs> when the Clippers had uh, Gordon in his prime. As, in his, you, know, you could probably say it was his prime now that some time has passed. And now he can't even start at guard on, his, on, 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 on the Rockets. Understandably so. But still, it's it's crazy. I really thought Eric Gordon was going to be the two guard of the future. Like I didn't realize how good Clay Thompson was going to be, also. But but I can't believe it. Like I really thought Eric Gordon was going to be an all star, and it it kind of sucks. It sucks for us, but I don't think anybody else around the league really thought that. Aside from Clipper fans that saw him his one season before the Chris Paul trade. So yeah. But anyway, Adam, do you have anything? I don't really have much else to talk about before we get to Twitter questions. I think. We went over the Clippers schedule pretty thoroughly, I think. In terms of rotations, you know, we'll see if and when Luke comes back. He was questionable for tomorrow. I still don't think that he's going to play tomorrow. I mean, it's just that he's questionable. So we'll see. Chandler is still out. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think we'll have a lengthier conversation about rotations when those guys come actually are back. Um, but, are we are we benching? I mean, I think Ty Wallace is going to get benched. Yeah, but I agree. If, if you could pick who would get benched from the the second unit, would it be Temple or would it be Wallace? Who would it be for you for Luke? Because Luke is definitely going to play some minutes when he can play. That's tough. 
I don't. Hmm. I think objectively, you have to say Ty should probably be the guy, but he just the Clippers are just better when he plays. Right. Um, I think Temple will lose minutes too. Um, you know, I think there's a chance both of them could get cut when mm. Luke and Chandler are back. But I mean, I don't think both Luke and Chandler can play because right. they're fours and Green and Gallo are fours. Like, there's no way all four of them are getting minutes. So. Yeah, it's, I, I really don't know, and I don't think we can know until they actually do come back and we can see how healthy they are. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think Ty will, will get cut we'll, for Luke, and then who knows when Chandler comes back. But you're right. We can't play all three of those guys together. They're all fours. I can see you playing Luke as like a defensive type of stopper instead of a Temple, who's pretty much been that role, but he has a little bit more creativity on the offensive end and can handle the ball which is helpful, particularly considering Green and Trez can't really do it uh, unless they're put in pick-and-roll type situations. So it'll be interesting to see what we do. But, man, this team is loaded, really. Jeez. It's crazy to have an alternative all the time in yeah, every position. It's tough. it's tough for coaching. But I think Doc Rivers has done a really good job this season. Um, and, you know, more than anything, I was just thinking about the big picture – but you have to think that even though Lob City ended up being kind of a failure just in terms of not making the conference finals, much less, you know, NBA finals or winning anything, bringing in Doc was still just a massive moment for this franchise. I mean, I don't right. think they're considered as good a destination as they are now if they had another coach besides Doc Rivers. I don't think – I mean, I'm not sure do they even get Jerry West if they don't have Doc Rivers. I mean, I don't know. Right. He's brought a lot to the team – even outside of just coaching, I think he's been a very good coach this year. I mean, people are always going to have quibbles with rotations and playing some guys over others. I think the Avery Bradley thing is still largely indefensible, to be honest. But he's actually been good for the Grizzlies. So, you know, what do you know? Maybe he needed a change of scenery. No, he sucks. He's terrible. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. I agree that the doc, the whole doc thing was probably more of a a changing of the culture than we realized at the time, especially since GM Doc was so mediocre. But he's pretty much the face of the franchise right yeah. now, if you, if you really had to pick somebody. And I remember there was years ago where there was an article that Sterling offered Jerry West some crazy amount of money to be the GM for this team. And West just laughed at him. And he was like, why would I ever want to run a team that you own? And mm-hmm. just years later – he actually ended up coming to us because we offered him a little bit more money than the the Warriors were willing to pay him, I think. And now he's he's a Clipper, and it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy how much happens just in the span of five years or so. It's been pretty cool to be a Clipper fan. Lob City won't be remembered fondly by, you know, probably the national media, but it was pretty much the turning of the guard for the Clippers as far as a franchise. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, we'll so. see how they do – in this next era, but I think a page has probably permanently been turned in regards to how people think of the Clippers as a franchise, and it's all due to Lob City. So, yep. shout out as always to our old friends Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, um, to a lesser extent JJ Redick and Jamal Crawford. Um, yeah, JJ having a great season. Blake is leading his team to the Horrible. He had a wide open three that he should have met hit. I was. Almost surprised that he missed he missed it's been it. Cold lately. It's been cold. He he runs that way sometimes. But he's had a great season this year. Uh Blake is having a nice season for the Pistons, though. I hope he gets out of that <laughs> clap trap. Yeah. <laughs> um and Chris, you know, looked really good. He's looked really good for stretches now. He I thought he was cooked, but then he had that game against the Warriors. So maybe he's not done. It would be nice to see him have one more run in him. So, yeah. The Warriors yeah. are vulnerable, so I'm still I'm still rooting. I think my my number two team is is definitely the Sixers with right. Kobe, Logan, Mike Scott, JJ. But honestly, I think I'm still probably rooting for Paul over anybody else in the West. They're probably the second favorite West team for me, just because even with Harden and all their other teams. Harden though. Eh. And then in the East, I think <laughs> I like Blake, but the Pistons are just not fun to watch. They're just nope. no. And they're going to lose in the first round too. They're going to play the Raptors or the Bucks and get annihilated. Um, so, yeah, uh, it'll be Clippers past versus Clippers future in that two seven. 
Oh, that would be pretty fun. Watch yeah. JJ and, and Blake go at it and, and Toby and Blake. But uh, anyway, let's get to Twitter questions unless yeah. you have anything else. No, uh, we can get to them. Okay, so first question from Evan Scrimshaw. How much fun will it be if the Clippers are the reason Braun misses the playoffs? I think this is assuming – I don't know if this is specific as in if the Clippers beat the Lakers on Monday and that's kind of just the nail in the coffin – or if just in general, the Clippers are the eight seed and, you know, they're the team right above the Lakers. But it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> It'd be cool. It would be cool. It would be great. Um, you know, the Lakers struggling has been just one of the many great things about this season for Clippers fans. Yeah, I would, I would mention it if it happened. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, next question from at Clip City 2. When Chandler and Luke come back, how do you think the rotations change? What do you guys, Shannon moves to the bench? We kind of already talked about this. I don't think Shamit moves to the bench unless he really struggles or they look great. Um, I really can't say how the rotations change. I think only one of them is in the rotation, but Doc might find a way to squeeze them both in. I'm, I'm really not sure. Yeah, and I, and I don't know because Wilson Chandler seems like a guy that Doc would play. Too. Yep, he sure so, does. <laughs> so it's it's weird to think that – and Luke absolutely is. We already know he has history with Doc. So I don't know how – those guys will be juggled. It's really weird. Maybe maybe Doc will just do a short leash type of thing where he pulls guys really quick and gives those guys a look. But both those guys seem like Doc guys. So I have no idea. I really don't know. I like the bench how it is right now too. So it's tough. I definitely think Luke should have a role. And Chandler objectively should too. I mean, he's not like a bad player. He hasn't been great this year though. Right, that's um, true. I honestly don't know if I'd play him over anybody in the Clippers rotation right now. And Green has been fantastic, so I yeah, hope he doesn't not bench to Michael Green right now. I mean, he's yeah. going to cool off, but I think at this point he's probably just better than Wilson Chandler. So, um, if Wilson Chandler takes his minutes, that would not be a great decision by Doc. Yeah, that would that would be a bad look. Um, yeah. Next question from Matt Chong at M Chonger. How hard did he laugh at the Suns Lakers game? And then real question: How much of an overall impact do you expect Luke to have when he returns? Lots of Luke questions because um, I mean he he was upgraded today to questionable. I did laugh pretty hard at the Suns Lakers game. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah. It's incredible that they lost to the Suns. <laughs> I introduced the score like it was a Clipper game, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Clippers have beaten the Suns four times a season, and three of them, I think, have been absolute massacres. Um, and I don't think that one game was kind of close, but even then I thought the Clippers were always going to win it. Um, yeah, it was embarrassing that the Lakers lost them, especially this late in the season. It's really bad. How much of an impact do I expect Luke to have? Not much, to be honest. If you'd asked me this, like, a month ago, I would have been more optimistic, but it's so late in the season. He's missed so much time. He doesn't have a ton of time to reintegrate. I mean, there are 18 games left, and like I said, they have a ton of practice time. And he's been practicing with the team, apparently. So, you know, maybe it won't be as rough as we think, but I can't see him having more than a marginal impact, really. Yeah, I mean, I almost feel like he's going to be almost Grant Hill-esque, like when Grant Hill was a Clipper, as far as his minutes and his possible impact. He's just been out for so long. It's really – I wouldn't bank on him making an impact until you see him on the on the floor. He's just been out for too long. Yeah. Next question from Andres from – at Andrew from 5 to 7. Has Shamit made J-Rob expendable? How valuable really is that Miami pick? Sorry, two questions. The Miami pick is really valuable. It's 2021, I think. The Heat are not very good now. Two years from now, who the hell knows what they're going to be. I mean, it's possible they get free agents and they're really good, but I kind of doubt it. Um, so I'm guessing it's it's a pretty valuable pick. I don't think there's any guarantee it's going to be like top of the lottery or anything, but I, it's a pretty valuable future asset. And we've been asked the Shamit Jerome question before. I mean, I think it's fair to bring it up now that we've seen a little bit more of Shamit. And my position is basically still the same, which is that they're ultimately kind of different players and that Jerome is more of an overall scorer. Shamit is pretty clearly mostly a pure shooter. So he has shown some nice runners when he's run off the three-point line. He has a couple floaters in his game. I don't know if they can both play together, but I mean, I think you could have Shamit as your starter in a J.J. Redick role and then Jerome as your Lou Williams, Jamal six-man off the bench. I mean, I think... 
you know, the two of them and Shea could theoretically play together against some teams in three-guard lineup. So, I mean, if the Clippers have done it with way smaller guards with Beverly and Lou and Shea, or Beverly, Lou, and Shamel, which is way tinier. So I, I, I don't think he's made Jerome expendable, but he's probably made his future a little bit less certain is the way I put it. Yeah, I think that's a fair remark. And, and I've watched some Jerome G League highlights recent, recently. The guy is, like, comfortable handling the ball. So I, I think the idea of, of seeing him as a scorer type rather than Shamit's shooter type is pretty reasonable. I think he did a lot of it in Boston College. Granted, in Wichita State, I want to say that Shamit also did his share of playmaking, but he obviously is a catch-and-shoot type of guy, put the ball on the floor, maybe make a play as a secondary playmaker. Uh, not really just a let him dribble the ball up the floor kind of guy, which I think Jerome has the capability of becoming. I feel like a lot of it's a confidence type thing with Jerome. Granted, he did shoot a step back three in LeBron James's face once. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think that they're, they're mutually exclusive or anything. Um, so... I think that I even remember Zach Lowe once saying that the Clippers have an idea of having Shea run the run the ball and having Jerome and Shamit run off screens for shots. I don't know if it's that easy to say, but I I do think that they're different players. So I would ultimately it'd be nice if we could have Jerome play that kind of role maybe next year when we're a bit more strapped and say we we give money to big time players and can't really just pick up role players willy nilly, but. Yeah, I mean, his future is less certain. And with Shamit being this two-guard of the future type, yeah, I don't think Clipper fans are as attached to him maybe as they were when he had back-to-back eight-point blockbuster games. So, <laughs> that was yeah. hilarious. That was, was really good. I mean, he, he looked good in those games, but the, the praise was incredible. Um, yeah, really anyway, impressive. I think we have a couple more. So at your boy, Young Trill, what would it take to retain Pat Beverly? Could we go over the cap to sign him? Um, not a cap expert, but I believe they could because they have his bird rights. I think that's how it works. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they can go over the cap to sign him as for what he's worth. I think the answer is probably less than you'd think on the open market. I mean, he's not young and he's had some pretty severe injuries. I mean, he had micro fracture surgery just last year. He's turning 31 this summer. Um, I'm not sure if his game is particularly going to age that great. I mean, his three-point shot should, but his defense relies a lot on smarts, but also on, on some quickness. Um, I don't think it would cost them that much, and I think he is a priority for the Clippers after superstars. i say like a 3-slash-30 deal for Pat would be – I'd do that probably. I don't know. That sounds reasonable. I would also do that deal. I think he's worth that much too. He's been worth that much this year for certain – and this kind of transitions to another kind of question I might as well ask you. I saw this on Clippers Reddit the other day. Uh, if you could rank, like, our free agent guys, maybe the top three of players that you want to bring back or maybe top four or so, how would you rank the guys? We can, like, going with, like, Zubat and oh, oh, Beverly. Okay. and guys you know, on the roster? Yeah, that we don't have signed long-term right now. Beverly first by a long shot. You know, mm-hmm. if they're trying to contend – and, you know, if they get superstars, Beverly has to be the first guy. If you have a contending team, you have superstars. Pat Beverly is the perfect role player to have around superstar players. He does all the little things. He's energized the team. He keeps the team going and motivated. Leader in the locker room, on the court, everything. You know, if they bring in superstars, I think it makes it even more imperative they need to resign it, to be quite honest. Um after that, it's tricky. I'm just not as big as a Zubats fan as a lot of other people are. I like him, and he is young. Um, I'd say he's probably second. And then third, I'd say is... I'd say is Jermichael Green, but I don't think he's, like, a priority. I like him. I think he's a good fit. But, I mean, I don't think he's, like, a guy they need to bring back. Mm-hmm. I wonder think? how I wonder how expensive Green will be in the. I don't think he'll be that expensive either. Yeah, so that's my big thing. I think Green checks a lot of boxes for us, and not being expensive, he's obviously not first. My first would be between Beverly and Zubat, and it's like a different. It's like a different argument. I agree with you that Beverly should be the priority if we're thinking about winning now, and that might ultimately be 
the um, idea if we can get a Kawhi type. And I think he should probably be priority number one if we can get Kawhi and then kind of go from there. Zubat, I think, is a close second just because of his potential as a starter for the future. The fact that he fits so well alongside Trez. Trez only has one more year on his contract, I believe. But he's a really nice starter slash you know, if Trez is struggling type of player. Considering the fact that he has that size over Trez, he's a really nice alternative to Trez too, yeah. even for ne- even for next year. So it's between those two. I, I almost feel like they're kind of, they're kind of pick your argument type of players as far as the priority. I like Zubat. I haven't seen a crazy a lot from him, but I see the potential in his game. Uh, then would be Green too. I think I would put Green over Temple. Temple is a really nice player. I, I would. He also wouldn't be the worst guy to bring back too. But I like. I think Temple. Temple's a great guy to just have on. He'd probably get a little bit more than the minimum, but you know, like the biannual exception or the mini. I I forgot what exceptions like there. There's there's something that's even lower than the the biannual. It's like a like a mini MLE. Is it? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. There's like um the room extension. I think one of them is whether you're over the cap versus under the cap. But, oh. Sure, sure. Like a like a two year six million dollar deal or something, you know. That's perfect yeah. for Garrett Temple. You have him; he's like a great tenth man, and you know, wonderful locker room guy. Um, that whole thing, but he's not like a must resign. But I'd be I'd be perfectly happy to bring all four of those guys back. To be quite honest, I mean, I think yeah. the Clippers' probably best goal is to sign a guy straight up in free agency, and you know, Kawhi. They have room for Kawhi. And then if they need room, trade away Gallo and somebody else. And bring the bench back, yeah. And then fill out the roster around Kawhi and whoever else. Um, yeah, could, you, could we realistically, if we, if we brought back Kawhi outright and then traded Gallo and whoever for another star, I feel like you can bring most of the bench back because they're not particularly expensive, maybe outside of Beverly. Could. No, you, know? you so. could. I mean, you'd go over the cap, obviously, right, but right. I think you could probably do without hitting the luxury tax. I'd need to. I'd need to check. Yeah, I have um, to check too. But that would be that would probably be the best case scenario: two stars and most of the team back, which would be pretty incredible. But yeah. we'll wait. Uh, two until more questions. Then. We'll yeah. try to make them quick hitters. Um, one from my dad: With the outside shot of the six seed, what lineup minutes adjustments do you see coming? We already talked about lineups. I think in terms of minutes. I mean, they're probably going to try to buy time for the veterans, but I think we're probably going to see increased dosages of Lou, Pat Beverly, and Gallo down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much would agree. I wonder how much of the rookies we'll see in the young guys and how much Doc will sway a little bit more towards, like, a Lou, Beverly, maybe Shamet for spacing, Gallo, and Trez. Type of lineup. That's basically what he's been doing. So yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I don't really think anything's gonna be different. I yeah. Mean, maybe, probably just more Lou minutes, if anything. Really, they were trying probably. to keep his minutes low. I think this probably. is the last question. Um, actually, no. Rafo had a question somewhere. Let me, oh, go. Man. Let me find it. <laughs> Gotta find it. <laughs> uh, there's one from John Flores. We actually just did this. Sorry. We, it's about uh, what contracts would we give to Beverly Zubach and Green. I think Beverly three thirty, Zubots. I'm actually not sure what his market is, so I, I don't really want to put a number. And then Green, I'd say like three for ten or three for fifteen or something. Or yeah, that sounds that sounds perfect. I mean, pretty much, I think we need to see what the market is for Zubot and top that if it's fairly reasonable. Feels like it will be. So yeah, where is this thing from Rafa? I don't even know. <laughs> oh, damn it! Uh, uh, it's funny. Um, <laughs> Let me scroll and find it. He'll be upset if we don't answer his question. He will be. Uh, he'll comment. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Rafa. We're talking about you on the podcast while <laughs> trying to find your question. Uh-huh. But I'm doing all this work to find it. Um, yeah, you have to be impressed. <laughs> yeah. Where is this? <laughs> Sorry. It was from some reason. It was only got the notification on the Clips Nation Twitter account, and it has a ton of notifications. So hmm. I'm just trying to find it. But uh, right. We'll find it. Yeah, it'll take a while. Um, oh, no. oh, here we go. There's a show more button. It's probably in here somewhere. Um, <sighs> literally so painstaking. It's the cost yeah. of being too popular on Twitter, I guess. Oh, boy. I'm sorry, you guys. So popular. Uh, too many followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Sorry, this is taking a while. Is there anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> um, not particularly. The Clippers are a fun team to follow. 
I like them. I'm trying to figure out ways to fill the time while you look. No. I, mean, I, I hope this. I hope we can beat this. Uh, win this Laker game. I really don't think it's going to happen. I'm almost kind of dreading losing this game. Already. And all the takes that will come from it. Yeah, that's my biggest fear right now. I'm not even so preoccupied with the fact that we had a huge win in Sacramento because I feel like we're going to lose this game and it's going to be so much garbage takes from it. And the Clippers have been have had such a great season. I was actually going to write an article today, but then I decided just not to. Maybe I would talk about it here. Just all the people, all the national media just casually dismissing the Clippers, whether it be we don't want them in the playoffs or they, they're trying not to make the playoffs or blah, blah, blah. I feel like I've heard some sort of iteration of this from like Simmons and from Matt Moore, Zach Lowe, every every talking head yeah. on NBA TV, inside the NBA, I swear. Like I've heard you so know, much. Like, I'm biased, but like who likes – nobody likes watching this Lakers team. Like Seriously. not even Lakers fans do. It's like, oh, LeBron is ratings – it's like yeah, it's ratings, but the Lakers stink. They're horrible to watch. Like, <laughs> like yeah, they'd probably give the Lakers a better fight. But do we honestly really want to see LeBron drag another mediocre team to like, a, you know, the conference finals and then just get destroyed by the Warriors again? Like we've seen this happen like three times in the past five years already. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I found Rafo's question, yeah. so we can end this <laughs> this filler <laughs> section. Uh, hey, Flom! Wow. <laughs> Uh, was Jerome inactive last night, or did they farm him out? That's the question. He was they did. They farmed him out, too. Yeah, he was in the G League. So yeah. there's your answer. <laughs> Thanks, Rafa. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. This is kind of a long pod, but there's a lot to talk about. We were tempted to do a pod after the Lakers game, but we probably won't. So I'm guessing we'll be back uh, next week on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. As usual. Only only three games, just two games tomorrow and the day after, and then a huge break until that Friday game. So, as always, thanks for listening, everybody. Leave some reviews and everything on iTunes or whatever media you listen to us on. And as always, go Clippers!